guys also, and I need to change the audio so people can actually hear you. Oh, speaker. I'm sure they can hear you on on YouTube just fine. Yeah, I babbled for about thirty seconds. Oh, did you really? Why? Yeah, because otherwise I wouldn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't babble. Me, I'm a color guy. I'm not a play. I'm not a play-by-play guy. All right, so we're back. Well, are you sure we're back? Uh, I'm sure that I'm back. <laughs> but, but you know, we've already had at least four, three issues in 15 minutes trying to get this thing going. So if we, so if my internet cuts out again, I think we'll take it as a sign that this is not the night to do a show. <laughs> well, when you watch that horribleness of a pay per view that we watched, or special, or whatever the hell they call it, I I don't think anyone should do a show. To be honest, it's terror. It was terrible. Terrible. It was terrible. I agree. Um, I mean, but, not, but, you know, you, not you, only you, was you started saying something earlier about the announcing it, and and it was kind of amazing that I'm listening to, that I'm listening to that. And I'm going, hey, Josh Matthews is actually doing a decent job tonight. You know, that's a funny thing. I was I was thinking that too. It's like you know, this is the one time ever that Josh Matthews actually sounds good is next to Delo. I mean, I thought Scott D'Amore was bad when he filled in for uh, Don Callis, but D'Lo is. You you respect a guy as a as a performer for what he does in the ring, but you don't realize that he wasn't. You know, I hate to say this, but I probably would have said the same thing if The Rock had been hosting, because The Rock would have relied on all of his catchphrases. Now D'Lo D'Lo didn't rely on catchphrases. D'Lo just was flat terrible, um, but it takes a special kind of person to do color. Don Callis is amazing at it. Jerry Lawler in his prime was amazing at it. Um, I thought Corey Graves before he moved to the main roster was one of the best in the business. Excalibur does a great job, but it's a special kind of person that can do color. And D'Lo is not that person. Apparently not. (laughs) Because he was awful. Um, It just, and it was, it was, and there were a lot of times I was listening going, is this Taz? Is this a really bad version of Taz? Because he did kind of have the Taz cadence and, and the way he shouted certain things was Taz-like. But, man, Taz is good compared, well, Taz, I guess Taz isn't that bad. No, you know, people forget that there was a time when people wanted the the team of Michael Cole and Coach or Michael Cole and Taz to take over for Jerry Lawler. So, you know, Michael Cole is better than he's given credit for. Taz is better than he's given credit for. Coach is better than he's given credit for. But when they've got these producers in their ear telling them to do things, you know, and and they're they're the – focal point now of that as opposed to jr being the focal point they are no longer the same announcers they used to be no and michael cole proved that you know and it's the same thing with Corey graves and Corey graves came up to the main roster and started calling both shows he's now not even close to the guy that he was when he was in nxt when he was nxt we thought he was going to be the next great announcer and he just really fizzled out on the main roster and, and for those who for those who don't know what I'm talking about with Michael Cole, even if you don't want to go back to 2003 when he called vengeance with, um, I think it was Coach, um, go back just to the very first UK uh, title tournament. The, the oh yeah the UK tra- title tournament. He he called that with uh, Nigel, and he was fantastic. So. Yeah, and I mean he's had his moments, but once he moved to Raw and became the lead announcer, he just was not the same guy anymore. Right. And it, it, it's, it's sad to see somebody that with that much talent and, and I don't know, maybe, you know, we say this about wrestlers all the time. It's, it, it depends. I mean, some, certain people need to have their freedom to be able to be their best. Um, you know, and you look at wrestlers that have fizzled on the WWE roster, they don't get the same kind of freedom they got on the indies. So they're not anywhere near the type of wrestlers they were. Chris Hero, uh, Cassius Ono is a perfect example. He's a legend in independent circles, Ring of Honor and things like that. He can't cut it as Cassius Ono just because he doesn't 
he doesn't fit well into a scripted environment like the WWE is. And then there's other wrestlers that take it to another level with that kind of, uh, you know, environment. But I mean, even if you get past the announcing, this show itself was God awful. I never mind the fact that you had three Ohio Valley wrestling. Um, I don't know, were they stars? I don't know what they were. But not one of them even stood a candle. I mean, it, they lost stood their matches in six minutes. What the hell does that? I, what, I to be honest, I don't even know. <laughs> they, I mean, they they couldn't hold a candle to their uh, impact counterparts. They looked terrible, you know. And you look at look at the fact that I mean, Corey Storm had six minutes against Raheet. Jay Bradley had six minutes against Willie Mack. They're not going to really be able to tell a story in that time and. They just, I, I, I personally, I think OVW should have won at least one of those three matches. I don't think it would have hurt Kara, uh, Kira Hogan or Rahit to lose to their Ohio, Ohio Valley counterparts. Yeah, I think Rahit should have, it should probably should have lost. He he loses all the time on Impact. What's the difference if he loses on this show? Um, right. On the other hand, OVE losing both their matches was ridiculous. Um, well, yeah, there's that too. I, I, I you know, I. I don't understand Daga at all. I don't get why he's being pushed the way that he is. He he is is nothing special whatsoever. He doesn't have charisma. He doesn't have a moveset. He doesn't do anything that that indie wrestler number 17 doesn't do. And he doesn't have the look even. So I don't get why Daga is being pushed over Jay Crist, who has all that stuff. Well, and not just that. I mean, there's nothing. And Daga, in his current role as a babyface, doesn't work either. I it. I mean, let's 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 look past this tag match just for a second because there's. I definitely want to get back to this and how bad it was. But once Daga hit that ring, it killed the crowd. Killed them. They were sitting on their hands the rest of the night. That Daga Jake Chris match was actually a fairly decent match. I mean, Jake and Daga is like you said, you know, Daga isn't nothing impressive, but Jake Chris is. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they told a de- told a decent story. I felt like Jake did everything he could to get anything out of Daga, and they actually put on a fairly decent match, probably the best match on the night. And the crowd sat on their hands the whole time because they just do not like Daga. As a as a babyface, he has no heat as a babyface, none at all. And when a crowd sits on their hands like that, that's got to be demoralizing to everybody involved. Yeah, well, they and they did most of the night too, but uh, yeah, you know, I I just think Daga has nothing to draw, you know, to excite the crowd. I mean, I mean, they try to they try to announcers try to sell it that he does, but I just don't see it. And well, I, I, I think that one time. And I haven't either, you know, all the way back to his MLW days. I've never seen anything special in Daga. But I think the announcer, I I think that tag match was killing the crowd. But I think when Daga came out and they had that little brawl at the end of the match before the Daga-Jake Chris match, you could just hear it dead silence when Daga hit the ring. It was just dead silence. Because it went too long. Well, it went too long, and AC Romero moves like a guy, like a seven hundred pounder wading through water. What the hell is wrong? I, 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 have never been an AC Romero fan, and I know you liked him when you saw him in MLW, but I, I've never seen anything with the guy. And this match proved everything that I've been saying about him. He has no timing. He has no charisma. He act well. I take that back. He does have charisma, but he has no timing at all. And he just does not know how to sell a move. Watching him fall into um, Dave Chris's feet was one of the most painful things I've ever seen. And how long was Jake Christ up on that apron trying to get the? Uh, referee's attention while AC Romero was wandering around the ring trying to play to the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it was God awful watching him. And I swear to God, he it's, you know, he comes to the ring and they're touting him off as being, you know, smooth and, and he can fly with the cruiserweight or with the X division stars and all that. But then you watch him in the ring and he's literally in slow motion. 
I feel like he's gotten worse since he left MLW and joined Impact. That's a possibility. He just right. maybe he just doesn't have his drive anymore. I I don't know, but man, that this was this was a clunky mess of a match. I felt like I feel I still feel like AC Romero. And I hate calling him Ace. I mean, Ace was just fine. I don't it know what the hell they had, had the white well, to his name. Because they, they already have an Ace on the roster who's a star. Well, then call him something completely different. Call him Romero. I right. Mean, I change, change his um, name completely to big guy who can't walk. <laughs> BWC. Well, I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> He Big just man doesn't... crashing campus. <laughs> yeah, he just, I mean, he, he was terrible. I'm watching this match, and I'm just cringing every time he goes to do a move because he literally looked like he was in slow motion. And no matter... You know, my my thing with him, and, and I told you this before, and I've said that on the show before, it's not so much that I, that I like his character, I like his... You know his high flying stuff. I just think that you know he could be like the next Big Van Vader if they if they would cast him correctly. Right. You know, give him give him a manager, have him work short, quick squash matches, destroying people, and eventually build him up when he's ready for it. Well, he does have. Because, I mean, we like saw a house it in MLW. Who's also a man. You know. And but we we saw it in MLW. We saw it a little bit when he first came to Impact. He actually does have the ability and some agility to fly around the ring. He just, it looked like he just didn't give a shit in this entire match. He just was, he was complacent. He didn't, he didn't seem like he really wanted to get kicked in the face. So he was like, oh, I'll just kind of go to one knee and slowly fall into the kick and see what happens. And, and he, but his, really, it probably doesn't help that, that his tacking partner is somebody named Larry D who looks like Otis Dozerman's little brother. I didn't catch that, but you're correct. But I mean, it's like (laughs) Fulton and we've, we've raved about Dave Christ and Fulton. I mean, well, not Dave, Dave so much as Jake, but even the Chris brothers, when they're in a tag team together are really, really good. And Madman Fulton, we've raved about how good he is and they did what they could. But Romero and Larry D just fell flat and Romero. I think this might be the worst I've ever seen. AC Romero. Yes, it's worse. I've seen him, and Larry D. I've never seen, I've seen before ever that I into my recollection. So yeah, and I don't care if I ever see him again. To be honest with you, no, nothing, he nothing he did stood out. Nothing he did stood no, out. No, and his name is Larry D. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you want to talk about it? For, as I said earlier, Dozerman. <laughs> the and then you know another match a couple before that the Kier Hogan versus Ray who puts the Ray in Cray what the f- if you're gonna have a name and and try and play up a crazy character how about you actually act somewhat I don't know crazy was it her um, double handed Kelly Kelly wave on the way to the ring that made her crazy or was it her perfect body or that flowing blonde hair that made her crazy. What the hell made her crazy? That's a good How question. is she putting the Ray in crazy? Uh, and I then she actually seemed to have some fairly decent skills, but Kira Hogan acted more crazy with the trash talking than Ray Lynn did. Well, and Kira Hogan's been doing that in Impact for a while, though she's supposed to be kind of like the crazy, egotistical chick. You know, all you know, all I know, you know is... That, you know, this show really suffered from... Not having Sammy on it, not having or Eddie or Michael Elgin or well, I was going to say um, Val- Taya Valkyrie, you know. The Taya miss was missing too. I mean, there was there probably their four top stars were off the show. I know, but I, but I think Are... Taya. I think if the star, you know, if, if the star power and charisma of Taya and Sammy would have been here, would have helped a lot. Well, or even like. They mentioned in, I think it was the Moose Rhino, that there's a um, four out of five fall ma- or match thing with um, Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards. Why wasn't that on here? Why wasn't the fourth match on here? Why do we have to wait for Impact for that? That match alone would have raised this card. Yeah, and there was other things on there on here that were missing too, like you know, like the Great Gama not being there with Rohit, 
Um, well, they talked about him 755,000 times. You know, uh, Susie and the minister not being there with Jessica Havoc. You know, I mean, it felt like a house show just because, you know, they, they didn't yeah. bother. They didn't bother bringing all, their, bringing all the talent out there to support the other talent that was there. And not only that, but the the bad production, the backstage production. I didn't hear a single backstage promo, not one. Well, I, I have no clue it. what just, any of them said. But they were they were they were definitely had audio problems and it was delayed and yeah, it it wasn't good. Um, and and you know we we've we had this experience with with a few of these, you know. But I thought that main event looked you know looked really good considering that they've had an ongoing issue the the champion versus champion thing. So I thought well it's worth at least watching just to see that, but. And on yeah. paper, I would have thought that too. It turned out to be another Tessa Blanchard against a man match. Same really? thing over and over again. How much can she? How much of a beating can she take before she finally pulls out the win? And that was a weird finish too. Oh, it was a really weird finish. Made no sense. I mean, was that supposed to be her doing a magnum using the using the top ropes, and then, but she missed the magnum or something? But she had, but she did earlier in the match. How the hell did she miss that magnum earlier in the match? That was just sloppy as hell. Well, uh, the ending of it just she should have showed it that she not that that she knocked herself for a loop too because you can't just like slam yourself back on the mat and act like nothing happened to get back up and do it and do it over again. Well, we talked about this before in the um, you know last week with the NXT match. Guys can or people can take these horrific finishers getting dropped on their head and kick out, but then the simplest move is what knocks him out. Like with um, Champa, was the the title belt to the face by Gargano, which knocked him out. In this, it was Ace Austin taking a face bump on the on the top turnbuckle that knocked him out. Mm-hmm. But yet he took a magnum. He got dropped on his head a few times. Got kicked in the face. None of that. He was able to kick out of all that. But a simple little. Um, snake eyes on the turnbuckle is what knocked him out. Yeah, knocked him out so that he had his he, he threw his legs above his head like a bitch. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and you know that tag title match. It could have been good, but it wasn't. It had its moments. It had its moments. But again, it was there too was. Long. Well, it was twenty minutes long, which is about probably ten minutes too long. Too many hot tags. How many hot tags do the Rascals have? At least three. And typically in a tag team match, you get the one hot tag and that's the end of it. But they had at least three hot tags, two to Wentz and one to Trey. And then you have which the whole really... thing interfering at the end of it, which made no sense. Because even if, they're, even if he's feuding with that team, why wouldn't you want them to get the tag belt? So while you're feuding with them, you have a shot at the tag belts. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a loophole, too. I, and as much as I love ahead of Ethan a Johnny Page. Gargano last week, <laughs> you know, why would you it, want the guy that you want to feud with to be the champion? <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, as much as I like the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, they are really playing up this all ego Ethan Page to the point where some of the stuff that D'Lo was saying just doesn't even make sense. But it was D'Lo saying it. But, well, I mean, I guess there is that. I, I don't know. This was this was this was that kind of show, and now this is the second Impact show in a row where I've watched it and I've been like, "Ugh, do I really want to watch this crap anymore?" There was very little on this show to that I that I enjoyed. Very little. There was nothing. Well, I kind of like the nothing. Rhino Moose second match. Oh, the no no DQ match. I, yeah. I did, but there were. There were too many spots in it that just were, it seemed like they were just done to get the crowd pop um, with the hammer and the, the staple gun. And, you know, I didn't mind the whole, okay, Moose is saying, let's make this a no DQ match. Now, or and Rhino, I'm sorry, is saying, let's make this a no DQ match. But how many times this year have we seen Moose say, I'm not going to do this and kind of try to walk out on the match? Yeah. I thought actually that was kind of a nice carryover for him, do, for him doing that on that other show that we saw. You know, where, on the, like maybe we're like, you know, maybe eventually like he'll keep doing that, but somebody will come out and stand up to him and, and force him. You know, I mean, I'm sure they're not creative enough to actually do that, but 
you know, it would be if they carried that on and did that. I mean, if you if you look at it in that aspect, because the last time he did it was against um, the woods. They were the New York. They were wrestling against somebody, some team in New York, and it was a no, three way dance no, it was with a triple him. Triple threat match for one of the New York championships, and you just kind of like walked out like you didn't care about have, about winning that championship. Right, and this one was against Rhino in one that he actually had a promo saying he was going to end the rivalry. You don't walk out and say you're too good for a match when you're trying to end the rivalry earlier in the night. Well, I guess if you if you like hit the guy hard enough to the nuts that he's never going to be able to walk again, or you know have babies, or perform as sexually. Yeah, but he walked. Rivalry. <laughs> he walked out before. Well, that's good. Good point. Speaking okay. of, um, where the hell was Rob Van Dam? Isn't he the guy they're trying to build the damn promotion around lately? I thought so. You know, this would have been a good throwaway uh, special for him to be on. He didn't even make a, an appearance. It yeah. really felt like they kind of went with their B show, B team against this. It really did. They were just like, yeah, we're not even going to bother. Let's just throw a few guys out there and see if we can uh, get some buys. And just when I was thinking like three quarters of the way through this, you know, this might be the last Impact Plus, Plus special I cover for a while. Then they throw out the fact that the next one's going to be locked out. So. Yeah, yeah, and that. I, but I, man, if they have the same kind of booking, I don't know that I care. Well, I'm going to watch it. I, I can't watch AC Romero in another match. Yes, you can. I can't. I can't do it. I I can't do it. Oh, do I have to? How luckily, much and I I don't AC know if you've can, seen it yet or not. How much AC can Jeff watch if Jeff could watch AC? None. Ugh. Gouge my eye out with a spoon because if I'm going to be in that much pain, I might as well do it myself. Oh, and then you make me think, you make me think of Alan Rickman like with that. <laughs> that was a uh, um, Lewis Black joke, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, remember, remember there was that in Prince of Thieves, he says he's going to cut Robin Hood's heart out with a spoon. Oh, and then, okay. and then his, and then his uh, second is like, "Why a spoon, sir? Why not a knife or a fork? Because it's dull, you idiot. It'll hurt more." <laughs> yeah, Lewis Lewis Black had that joke on one of his specials after the Super Bowl, where he was talking about the Super Bowl halftime show, and he said he was going to gouge his uh, eye out with a spoon because if he was going to be in that much pain, he might as well commit it himself. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, watch watching Super Bowl would, would cause you some pain sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then, luckily, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but luckily I was able to cleanse my palate. Because I watch, I mean, we're going to do a show after this one for Patreon, um, Ring of Honor, Take Center Stage Night 2, which was a really good show again. You know, that's three straight Ring of Honor shows from 2011 I've watched that have been really, really good. And then I watched this crap. And... Right before we went on, went live, I had to cleanse my palate. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, but ZSJ versus Osprey from Rev Pro. <sighs> it's safe to say that Osprey is my uh, wrestler of February now, too. How would I have seen it? You didn't. Well, I was able to see it. What was on YouTube? I literally just watched it. No, it. Um, I got it off Rev Pro's site. Got it off Rev Pro's site? Would they put it up for free? It was a it was a downloadable content. Oh, I had so no I, idea. I downloaded it. Maybe I'll send it to you. All right. Depending on how much I like you at by the end of the show. So, so I oh so I'll just expect to have it second week of never then. Um. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was actually it was it was really good, and it's um you know we've been talking about like uh, it was what two three weeks ago we talked about our wrestler of the year so far this year and osprey again now two great matches again in february uh, zsj um two great matches in february and then we had hiromo tanahashi who had that great match and right now those are my top three wrestlers with jay white as a close fourth you know it seems like everybody that's in my top top five right now is in njpw okay Sounds about right to me. I'm, I'm not sure why you'd have Jay White that high, but you know, he's had he's had five, 
probably four star matches plus great character work in February. In all, not in February. I'm talking about for the year. Yeah, I mean five in, five star matches this year. No, I said five four plus star matches. Okay. I mean, he's had he uh, he's probably worked more matches than anyone else. Osprey's had three five plus star matches, and now this one against uh, ZSJ from um, Rev Pro, which was I'll have to watch it again when I'm not pissed off at Impact. But I would I might have overrated it a little bit because I was just watched this horribleness. Um, but I, I would say four and a half to five stars out of this one too. And 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 you, know, oh. the the thing is that Jeff and I lately have kind of decided that Rev Pro was really NJPW UK. Yeah, it, it really is, and they kind of said it. I mean, you know, everybody, um, El Fantasmo is no longer the cruiserweight champ, but um, everybody else that competes there is Rev Pro, or I'm sorry, is NJPW. Oh, he's not. No, he lost the belt too. How dare he! Yeah, I was kind of a little disappointed when I heard that, but I didn't see the match. I just downloaded this one, um, and they called him ZSJ2, which made me cringe. But uh, ZSJ Osprey match, which was, it's worth it. If you can find it, it was 30 minutes of gloriousness. I'm sure I'll find it eventually. Yeah, I'll get it over to you, too. If worse comes to worse, I can probably but, email it over to you. But no, clearly I have not seen it yet. It, it's it's worth your time to search it out. Definitely okay. worth your time. I actually kind of forgotten about. I forgot about it until you mentioned it. I probably should look this weekend for it. But oh well. It was one of those where I downloaded it last minute, going, "I cannot go live on the air after watching this crap. I need to watch something good." And that was the first <laughs> thing that popped to my mind. <laughs> Literally, the first thing that popped to my mind was, "Hey, I heard this one might have been a good match. Let's watch it." Yeah, there definitely really was not much to talk about on, the, on this show. Not much positive to talk about on, on this particular show. So. No, and it's sad because it, I was really starting to get into Impact towards the end of last year and the beginning part of this year. And I, it's been ever since watching that, um, the last show we watched, which I felt like was really, really poor, uh, especially with the Sammy versus Tessa uh, as the main event when, when Tessa won it. It's just been ever since then, everything I've seen from Impact has not been good. And honestly, it doesn't really help for me that they've been in, that they've been in Mexico again for the last batch of Impacts because that, that, those shows never appeal to me. Kind of like when MLW was in Chicago? Well, MLW felt like it was always in Chicago. Well, I, all I know is you could tell when they were in Chicago because they had that constant horn going. Whenever they were in Chicago, yeah, they, I just think Impact uses too many luchadors when they're in Mexico, and it just feels so disjointed. Yeah, you know, it, it, just, it just feels like they're. It almost feels like they keep having Impact Plus specials because they're they're having guys on there that are not regular parts of the roster. The problem when, that you run into when you start doing stuff like that is you can never develop characters. It's one of the issues that we uh, that I've had with AEW is their characters aren't, and of course they've kind of course corrected a little bit and gotten their characters on and promos and and you know some vignettes and things like that. But in the beginning of AEW, you would go weeks without seeing. You'd have the same cast of four or five people on every single week, but then everyone else was kind of a rotating character. And you can't build a core audience when the people that you're trying to pump up are always up against nobodies. Right. And that's, you know, that's and, what I said about Riho, remember, is that, you know, for, for the first few weeks, she was on every show. And then it was like nothing. You know, she might be on every right. three or four weeks then. And then it was like, what and, the hell are you doing with her? You know, she's your she's your women's champion, but we never see her. And so by the time that well, and they, and, that they that they both and I would have beat her, it was it was almost too late because she was basically a lame duck champ at that point. But they were able to turn that into something good for Britt Baker. At least Britt Baker is is somewhat watchable now. You know where I mean, granted, I I'm not a fan of her bad mouthing the the announcers to make her heel turn, but at least she's somewhat interesting now, instead you know, of just being another random babyface. 
did you? Yeah, say Chelsea Baker. Baker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was confused there for a second. Who you were yeah, talking about? Yeah, that's that's who I meant, Chelsea Baker. Okay. You know, Britt Green. No, Britt Green is the one on the NXT. Chelsea Baker is the one on the AEW. Oh, okay. So, um, I have nothing else from the show at all. Not from this one. No, it was terrible. Unless we want to talk badly about D'Lo some more. Which we never see him Which, again in an announcer role. You know, well, you know, D- you know D- we D- said that about most, Scott Diamore. Honestly, the most entertaining I've, I've seen D'Lo in 20 years was when he was on that uh, throwback show. You know, when oh, yeah. him and... When he uh, was uh, Fala Ba's partner. Yeah. Yeah, that... Well, and and I I still remember thinking that he there's no way he was as um it, it looked like he either Falaba lost a ton of weight or D'Lo gained a ton of weight because I don't ever remember D'Lo looking that big. Yeah, D'Lo definitely gained a ton of weight. I just sent you the um where I got that the link to where I got that uh, Osprey ZSJ match too. So oh okay, you sent me three letters and I was like what? So okay, I. Thought you would have known what that meant. <laughs> I seldom if ever know what you're talking about, Jeff. Yeah, that's a good point. But they have that. That's where that singles match is. X. And it's X. just the match, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Not the show, but the match. Okay. We're yeah, good. I tried to find the full show because I really, I tried to find the full show because I really wanted to watch it, but I couldn't. It was just that that singles match is the only single match is the only one that was on. Okay. And there should be there should be a fourth letter there that's a, that's a T at the end there, right? Yeah, there should have been. Yeah. Okay. I was sure. just just so I know exactly what you're talking. I about. I, I hit send a little bit too quick. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, from what I hear, from what I hear, you got your love life quite a bit too. Yeah, unfortunately, it's why I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) Why I'm single. All right, so yeah. So yeah, I got. I mean, I got nothing more on this crap. Yeah, me neither. And you know, we we got revolution coming up this this Saturday. You know, you know, and I want to be honest with everybody out there. You know, I got I got a tweet from or a direct message from um, Imp asking me about doing. Um, the aftershock for Dynamite this coming Saturday, and, and honestly, I just can't afford it. So, you know, for you know, for oh, those of us here either. in the United States, you know, Dynamite is, you know, the AEW pay per views are forty, fifty, sixty bucks, depending on which one it is, and I just can't afford it this weekend. So, so unfortunately, I won't be available to, to I won't be able to do the uh, aftershock show this coming Saturday night with him. I'll probably hit the replay for like twenty bucks, but I can't afford fifty. Not chance. So, I mean, we'll have it watched before the, um, luckily in the States, they do that where they, you know, give half price for the replays so we can actually watch it. But I can't afford $50 for a pay-per-view. Yeah, me neither. You know, I mean, I, I have shut it out for the last couple, but I just, you know, I got a couple of trips planning coming up. I had some expenses I wasn't expecting and <clears throat> I just can't do it. So. Well, for I mean, we're still planning. We're still planning either that NJPW show or prob- probably more than likely all out. Right, that's one of the trips I'm planning, and I'm I'm also planning. Yeah, so I so so guys, it, it'll probably end probably end be end up that I'm driving to Chicago two straight weekends, once with my wife and once with Jeff in late August, yes. September. So you know, you know, well, whether it Jeff, is whether late Jeff August and, make it and Chicago early when September. Together or not, is, is another story. But. You can ride in the trunk. We'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> just give me, some, just give me <laughs> some water and a bucket, and I'll be good. Bag of beef jerky, you'll be good. <laughs> make What's sure you? to turn the speaker speaker on, and I'll play you some Kiss. <laughs> Beth, I hear you calling. Oh, come on. I made it through last night without hearing that song, and now you're going to sing it? <laughs> God. Well, that, well, you know, you had to hear it from me because that way it's twice as good. Oh, okay. That's it. That's it. So this is why you're riding in the trunk. 
sing death to yourself. It was actually kind of cool because after they went off stage last night and they, you know, they did kind of like the pre encore set, um, then the stage opened up and Eric Seeger came up on the sitting at a piano that rose from the bottom of the stage to play Beth. Oh, it's yeah, the first great. of the two encore songs. Well, good. At least you almost made it through the night without hearing it. <laughs> yeah, I was actually kind of shocked. I was like, "Huh? The heck is they're not going to do Beth tonight?" I did not well, you know that's good. songs. So. You know that's going to be one of the encore songs. Yes, yeah, so it was Beth, and then it was uh, Rock and Roll All Night, and that was that's yeah, the end of, of the course. That they always save. They always save the two best songs for the encore. Every Legends concert I've ever been to has always done that. Well, Kiss, well, Kiss always <laughs> or not the up. two best songs. Yeah. Well, you know, Kiss always opens up every concert with uh, Detroit Rock City, right? Of course. Yeah. So. Of course they do. So they so they start and end the show with their with their best two songs. Yeah, and they have to put their most popular song as an encore, not necessarily their best, but their most popular. Pretty Unfortunately, damn short that, song uh, too, honestly. What is what's that? Beth is a pretty damn short song too. Thank God it's not short enough. <laughs> I could take another minute and a half off that, and I'd be happy. Everybody, <laughs> where they anyway, Re- Wait, Revolution. We got to talk about that real quick. We do. Well, aren't we? Well, Wasn't we that like a plan? Left. We only had nine minutes left. To the, well, it was the plan. We only have nine minutes left now. Were we was didn't we talk about it really last week? I mean, there's only six car six matches announced. Five of them are singles matches. Four, you know, the Nyla. Oh, it is. It's been announced. Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. Oh, good. for the women's world championship. So um, Bianca Swole isn't going to be there. Bianca Swole. Thank God. And and Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. Um, Hagar versus Rhodes, MJF and Cody, and Jericho versus Moxley, and then of course that tag match, the Elite versus the Elite. There, we yeah. talked about it. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> I, I'm kind of annoyed that Statlander is, depend- is the first challenger for neither rules because I really would like to see Statlander be the champion, and I, and I know that's not going to happen on this. this I, if she's as weird as she was, drop it to Statlander, you know. If she's as weird as she was on Dynamite, I don't want to see her as a champion. I okay, the poop of Doom is fine, but that little like cartwheel thing she did, and then the middle of the ring boop fest. I I just no. I want to you see know, her as you a champion. You say you know you know you like you like to quote. Um, so often, you know, Billy's phrase of let talented people be talented. I'm yeah. going to say let the best wrestlers be your champions. And Chris Statlander is the best wrestler in the women's division, so she should be the champion. Yeah, but who's the best wrestler in the men's division? It's not Jericho. I, I don't think, think it's Moxley. It's probably Pac. Or maybe, yeah, in the singles division right now, it's probably Pac. Well, in the singles, yeah, Pac. I mean, if if you're going to go overall, it's either Pac or Kenny. Right. But yeah, you're probably right in the singles division. Well, I pound for pound, though, I I might go with Sammy. Callahan. He's no Guevara. Of course you would. See, you latch onto these guys, and then you completely overrate them. I don't I like, think I'm I like, I like Sammy too, but you're but but the way you drool over him turns me against him. Not I'm not saying that he is heavyweight title, but if you're going pound for pound, I would say Sammy is right up there with Kenny and and uh Pac as far as storytelling, in-ring performances and just charisma overall. I and I think he's a year or two away. He's a year or two away from headlining. I'm just saying right now, pound for pound, I think he's right up there. I think personally, think so. as far as... a year or two away as, from being in that spot is what, I, is what I'm saying. Same thing with MJF. To be, in the, to be in the main event spot, yeah, absolutely. I think they're both a couple of years away. I think they still need some grooming, but I think 
as far as entertainment value goes, he's another one that I've never been disappointed in a match. He's one of the best storytellers on the card or on, you know, on the roster. He's got undeniable charisma. Same thing with MJF. MJF is another one. MJF just hasn't had the body of work to where he belongs there. And Sammy is not as crisp or believable as Pac and Kenny are. But I think if you're going to just take a broad stroke against the roster, I think, you know, maybe all four of those guys could be considered their, you know, their top talent. Darby's another one who's a few years away. I think Darby's a little further away than Sammy and MJF is. Darby's closer than than Sammy or MJF is. You think so? Absolutely. I I see, and I I don't. Maybe I just haven't latched onto him as clo- as much as the other two, but I I think he's a little bit further away than that. I think he's got with with, with you know, Darby. I think the only thing that's missing for Darby is. He could stand to put on some to hit the gym and put on some muscle. Other than that, I think he's got everything. I think he needs to get out of his mold too. The problem is, is I've not seen him wrestle a different match. All of his matches kind of tell the same story. And until I really see him, you know, go out of his way and do something different, I I, I guess I don't know for sure. See, and I think MJF is great on the mic and he's got a great charisma, but I'm not sold on, on him whatsoever in the ring. So there's, and, and I guess I, I can see that. That makes sense. That makes sense. So Sammy, I, I just, Sammy, I just think there's some, you know, there's some timing things and there's some Christmas issues like you mentioned. And, and, you know, I, and I think he's still kind of growing into, into who he wants to be in his character. And that's why, and that's right. why I think and I, you were two away. It's not, it's not that, it, you know, I, I don't, it's not that I that he's not a, he's a year or two away from being a main event caliber. He's a year or two away from really knowing who he really is in that character in the ring. I think what hurt him was a switch from because I think he had it nailed with the Mister Money's Worth character, uh, and when he switched to the Spanish God character, that kind of it, it almost felt like a step backwards. Like now, well, all of a sudden, and, he's and trying to create a new also, story. He's also trying to to learn his place being part of a stable, as opposed to being his own guy. Right. So I, I think that is where his stumbling block is right now is he, he really, I, I felt like everything I'd seen from him, he'd found himself as the Mr. Money's worth character. But when he joined the stable, became the Spanish guy, became kind of Jericho's underling, it really, it kind of set him back a little bit on his character development. But I still think that he, he's an amazing storyteller. He's got, definitely has the move set. Uh, and he has, you know, undeniable charisma. He has all that, but I, but I think the other thing, he, I think the other thing that he struggles with is trying to find the time range in the in the in the matches. You know, he's he's trying to find a find how to perform at a in a television match time frame when he's used to wrestling on the indies and getting you know all the time that he needed. Well, that and like you said, he's still trying to find his character. There's a few little things where he starts uh, vlogging in the middle of a match, you know, little things like that that are just not working. Mm-hmm. You know, and and those are things he needs to figure out. But I, I just, I mean, when you look up and down this AW roster, there's there's some good, there's some bad, there's, um, but ultimately on a week week for week basis there's really only four guys that really stand out for me and it's those four that i've talked about and i will not put cody in there until he can wrestle for the championship no god no i and i until i start seeing cody i don't know this mjf feud has really turned me off on cody like i was really really high on cody last year high on him the beginning part of this year um you know in 2018 he was one of my favorite wrestlers i just think the way that they've portrayed this mjf feud has really kind of almost turned me off i think cody is the the best old school storyteller on the planet as far as yeah i'm not going to disagree with that but but i but but you know until you know but but you're right i mean i I don't like the way the feud with the mjf has gone um 
and I don't think that you can that you I, I disagree with AEW's ranking of Cody because he can't wrestle for the championship, and so I'm not going to say well, he can be one of the top guy top four guys in the promotion when currently he can't be he can't be the top guy in the promotion. Well, that and the fact that he literally turned his back on the elite. Right, he was the one that came out and said, "I don't know who the elite is, is anymore. We've got this guy running, you know, fighting this guy, and these guys fighting this guy, and this guy. You know, I've got no friends anymore." But Hangman Page is the one that everyone is saying, "Oh, he, you know, he doesn't want to be a part of the elite." How come nobody ever mentions the fact that Cody literally turned his back on the elite and went his own way? Yeah, it's a good question. Speaking of which, I know it's probably not going to happen because the Bucks are probably going to win the tag titles on Saturday night. But I, I would hope love, not. But I, but I would love for Hangman and, and uh, Omega to hang on to the championships and face the Brotherhood at some point for those titles. God, that wouldn't be bad. Either Brotherhood or Hybrid 2. I'd like to see them in a feud with Hybrid 2. Yeah, but I think the Brotherhood is, you know, is a more high-profile match with the two, and I and I think, you know, two these two teams that may not last very long together would be fun to see, to see that while it, you know, while it lasts. Yeah, I know we're up against it here, but I want to bring this up. I saw somewhere that this heel turn by Page is not a heel turn against Kenny, but a heel turn with Kenny, where both Page and Kenny are going to turn heel against the Bucks. I don't think it's a heel turn at all, so I guess we'll see. But I'm just, uh, how does that, I mean, because we've been talking, it seems like this slow burn hangman page, but he's one of the more over guys on the on the roster. Um, him turning on Kenny, I don't think would do any good, but with both him and Kenny turning? Yeah, I think the crowd's are going to chant cowboy shit for him. It's not, you know. Oh, I. I, I don't, I don't, know, know, I don't that, know that anybody. I don't know that anybody in in AEW can turn any more than anybody in NXT can turn. Yeah, it's a good point. Crowd has their favorites right now, and it doesn't matter what they do. And and the problem is these are smart crowds. These aren't crowds who, ju- who are just going to buy into a heel turn because, well, we're telling them it's a heel turn. They're still going to cheer for their favorites, and unfortunately, right now, you know, as much as they're trying to turn Page heel, he's one of the more over guys on the roster. Right. I mean, if you if you just want to, you know, just for an example of that, you know, SCU is was one of the most over and popular acts on the company. They probably still are, but when they got their butts kicked by the Lucha Brothers, the crowd was still chanting along with the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And how many times have they tried to turn Lucha Brothers heel over the last year? Exactly. They tried to turn them against the Bucks. They tried to turn them against SCU. They just can't turn these guys heel because the crowd loves them. Well, partly, and it's also partly because um, Pentagon is still is too stupid to stop doing a stupid chant. So. Well, and Ray Phoenix is just so goddamn good. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to cheer against a guy when they're that talented. It really is. When everything when everything they do is a crowd popping moment, it's hard to cheer against them. He would need to take lessons from Phantasmo in that because Phantasmo is also, you know, just as talented as as uh, well. No, I shouldn't. I'm not gonna say just as talented, but he's t- he's got the high flying act down the way that Ray does. But he also just is a complete douchebag. So. Yeah, he he knows how to <clears throat> how to play the crowd and to come off as a just like you said douchebag. Where Ray Phoenix doesn't have that down yet. Ray Phoenix is still just everything he does pops a crowd, but he doesn't know how to calm that crowd down again. Just a few more minutes, and we'll be hanging up the phone. <laughs> when I hear them calling, oh, Jeff, what can I do? Oh, my Jeff, God. What can I do? All right, guys. Um, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, it's where we put all of our, um, all of our stuff, all of our archives, all of our, um, specials, everything we do YouTube or not. Um, we do Patreon exclusive stuff as well, and it's a good way to donate to us to help us keep this, um, pile of shit radio show going. Um, <laughs> it's Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, you also, the okayest, if you, listen- you got the okayest. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> also, if you're listening to us um, live, you're either listening to us on Spreaker or LordsPainRadio.net. We do appreciate it. Also, we are live on YouTube twice a week, um, once right now for Kingdom of Honor, and then tomorrow night after Dynamite for Dynamite After Dark, and then we do a YouTube exclusive show live um once at least once a month um that's on youtube.com slash kingdom of honor uh, go there like it subscribe to it uh ring notification bell so you can get everything that we do and of course our twitters i'm at Rigi co-op he's at zenman lop and uh use hashtag dad and hashtag koh to get everything that we do live or everything that we do on there and make sure you stay tuned to all the other lop radio shows tomorrow night is ms lop radio adventure on Friday, or excuse me, what, Thursday night is MCLP Radio Adventure. Jeff already told you what's tomorrow is Dynamite After Dark. On Friday is NWA, the Legacy Series. And then we'll be back with you next Tuesday talking about uh, probably Revolution, honestly. So that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying goodbye. <laughs>